welcome to Freedom Fellowship Podcast. My name is Pastor Emily and I am your host tonight. I am not one for small talk, so you need to know that, like, right off. I do feel, in order for me to be able to adequately help you, that you need to know who I am and understand that I've been there done that, I've learned from it, but I've also grown from it. So let me just tell you a little bit about myself tonight. So I am 40. I'm 40 years old. I have two children. Both are boys. My oldest one turns 20 today. Happy birthday, Michael J. And my youngest one is 15. Now, I, I came from trauma. I was born into trauma. I lived trauma. <laughs> My whole life has been trauma. And to start it off, I, I, my parents, when, when I was born, uh, my mom was 16. My mom was 16. My, my dad was, I think, 17 or 18. Um, they they married, I think, basically because she got pregnant. I can't say that for sure, but that's my thought pattern. Um, I do have a little sister. Um, I'm not going to say her name, actually, but I, I do have a little sister, and uh, she's uh, two years younger than I am. Now, sometimes between, I'd say, my birth and three years old, my dad, our father, um, went to prison for drugs. So I never really knew my dad. Um, my mom had a lot of issues. Um, she drank, she did drugs. Looking back now, I know that a lot of her issues were identity issues. She didn't know who she was. She accepted less than what she was worth. But, um, yeah, she, she was drunk. She was a druggie. Um, my sister and I were sexually abused. Um, the first five years of my life. There's three of hers and five of mine. We were severely neglected when CPS came to take us from the home. Um, It was was bad. I didn't think this was going to be this hard. It was bad. You know, we had uh, been eating feces to stay alive. Um... At least that's what I've been told. I can't, I don't know, no, you know, but that's what I was told. And, um, it was just, it, it, it was bad. And so, uh, we were taken from there when I was five. She was three. Um, we spent two years in the foster care system. And God was so good because we were only separated once. <laughs> 
which is like a miracle in the foster care system because siblings a lot of the time they do not get to stay together so that was like huge (laughs) so um, we spent two years in the foster care system and another miracle was that we got adopted together a couple here in Battle Creek, Michigan um, adopted us both at the same time. Um, things things went good for a little while. Uh, she she drank a lot. Our, our adopted mom she she drank a lot. Um, she had her own issues, to say the least. And, um, she yelled a lot. She yelled a lot. And my sister and I were pretty much her her little indentured servants, is what she called it. It's more like her little slaves, but she called it her little indentured servants. We did all the housework and all the laundry, kept up the backyard. Everything had to be just so. Our adopted dad was pretty quiet, really laid back, really good, um, just calm personality, just a very sweet man. Um, And right around, I wanna, man, it's been so long on. I want to say, right around my 12th birthday, we moved into a new neighborhood away from um, all of my friends, you know, that I had made since I was adopted when I was seven. And so that was hard for me. It was traumatic for me because it was another change that I had to adjust to. And shortly after um, we moved in there, we found out that... um, he had embezzled quite a bit of money from the cemetery that he owned, so that was like a big thing. He did jail time, and, and at the same time, when he had gotten caught for that, he um, lost my adopted mom for his secretary. <laughs> kind of like a soap opera. <laughs> like if it wasn't my life, I probably wouldn't believe it. But yeah, it's true. Um, he got caught for embezzling. Um, he, he left my adopted mom for his secretary, moved to California. They are still married. <laughs> Him and his secretary are still married to this day. I'm 40. That happened when I was like 13. So they've been married a very long time. <laughs> um, after that, he... They, they moved to California together, him and his secretary. They've been there, like I said, this whole time. Um, after he left, my adopted mom, she, she kind of lost it. <laughs> like, I don't know how else to say that. She kind of lost it, and her drinking just got way worse. <laughs> and... Um, kind of loose, I guess you could call it, you know, um, a lot of men, uh, 
lost a lot of stuff in our life after after he left. And it was just a re-traumatization for my sister and I because we we didn't have that safety net anymore, you know. We had come from trauma and so having that happen just like re traumatized both of us. Um and it just uh, her her psychological and mental and emotional um, abuse got a lot worse after he left, and um, all the men that he she had around, and her drinking, and it was a hard time. It was a hard time. Uh, after he left, she she couldn't afford the the huge house he had just put us in. <laughs> Funny how. Funny how life works, but uh, she couldn't afford the, the big house that he had just bought her, <laughs> and uh, so we had to move again within just a couple short years uh, of moving in there, probably a year, year and a half, I guess, maybe, I don't know, I can't really remember, but it was a short time uh, after he left that we ended up having to move again, and this time... She moved us even farther out uh, towards the country than we already were, and uh, I really didn't have anybody to hang out with or anything like that, and um, she tried to kill herself, my, my mom did, my adopted mother tried to kill herself in my early teens. My sister and I had to go live with her sister for a while. And while we were living with her sister, um, our, our adopted father, he offered to take us because he realized the predicament that, that we were in and he realized, you know, I think that he really messed up in that area just leaving us, you know. Um, I was so traumatized by just everything that the thought of of moving again, the thought of especially moving to a whole, you know, the whole other side of the United States was too much for me. I could not do that. Like I just, I I went numb. <laughs> Basically, I just could not do it, and. Uh, my sister did go. My sister did go. She took him up on that real quick because she wanted away from our adopted mother. And uh, so she left. And after that, it was just my mother and I. <laughs> um, that's harder than I really expected it to be. And it's not that I don't want to tell you, it's that as I'm saying it, memories are coming and that's hard for me because a lot of them I have pushed away or some of them I didn't even remember until now. (laughs) So it's um, a little triggering for me. But um, she, my adopted mom, uh, after my sister left, believe it or not, the the mental and emotional abuse got worse 
the weird men that she would have in there was just crazy weird. Um, I was, you know, in junior high. I was in junior high. Had to have been junior high, maybe first year of high school, but I want to say it was junior high by then. Uh, you know, I was doing my own thing, being stupid, you know, and uh, got through high school, got to high school, and uh, my first year of high school, I came out as gay. I uh, came out as bisexual. I fell in love madly, madly in love with a beautiful, 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 beautiful Filipino uh, girl in the grade below me. So I guess that was my sophomore year. Excuse me. So my sophomore year, I came out and I had fallen in love with her. She was a year below me. She was a freshman. Uh, and when my adopted mom found out about it, yeah, it was not good. <laughs> she was pretty mean about that, actually. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I would say it that way. She was, she was pretty rude about it. And, uh, so that didn't go well. Um, and I was also into, uh, in my freshman year, I had gotten in with what I know now is obviously the wrong crowd, but I was in a very popular skater group. I don't even know if skater is what they call it anymore, but, you know, the weed heads, the potheads, the drunks, the tripping acid, wearing baggy pants, wearing chains, that group. <laughs> I was a goth girl. I wore all black. My hair was dyed black. You know, very dark time of my life. And I would, you know, write poetry even. Geez, I haven't thought about this in so long. Wow. I would even write, you know, poetry about uh, vampires and drinking people's blood and werewolves. And like, my mind was so deluded. And I really thought that I was okay, like I really did. That's the problem with mental illness, because you think that you're okay and you're not. And so, you know, I was really deluded then. And so I, you know, I was drinking all of the time. And my mother didn't even really notice that I know of, because she drank so much. I mean, she realized that I was going through it with her. (laughs) And so... Um, I, I would literally, I would take like a, well, I would wash out like a gallon thing of milk, you know, a gallon container of milk. I'd fill it halfway up with orange juice, the other half with her vodka, and I would take that to school with me. I was an alcoholic by the time of my sophomore year in high school. Um, I was smoking weed. I would trip acid first class very first class I would down half of the orange juice because orange juice the the acids in it and stuff it triggers your trip to go way higher so I would always start my day half of my little screwdriver drink and 
popped some acid. And so that was the beginning of my day. So all day, I would finish the rest of that screwdriver. I would be just completely drunk. I'd be tripping. I'd smoke, you know, in between classes when I could get out. As soon as I got out of class, I would go with my friends. We would smoke. I cannot tell you how many times I missed school or how many times I was late getting to school just because I was too high or I had a hangover or, you know, I had a guy over first thing in the morning. Like, just knowing the stuff that I came from is mind-blowing to me. And so... Sophomore year, I made some uh, more questionable friends than I had in my freshman year, and we we started messing with the Ouija board and uh, you know just divination, you know, um, casting little spells and you know just unhealthy, <laughs> unhealthy stuff and. You know, my room in high school, my bedroom, was full of stuff from Spencer's. I don't know if you guys know of Spencer's, heard of Spencer's, but it was a store way back in my day. (laughs) I had a whole bunch of weird kind of gifts, okay? So my room was, you know, black candles, skulls, you know, Ouija boards. um, What are those things called? I can't think like the crystal balls, you know, the stuff that has to do with witchcraft and divination and, and things like that. So anytime Debbie would come, oh, Lord, I just said her name. Mm. Okay, well, now you know her name. So I will just leave it there. So whenever my step, my adopted mother, Debbie, would come in the room, um, she would just get so angry you know because my room was just so dark and the atmosphere had to have been heavy because as of as I've grown now we are into my 40s and and I realized the power of God and yet I also realized the power of the evil one and I realized now that she was responding you know to a lot of the things that I had in my room, and I didn't understand that at the time. It doesn't excuse her behavior, but I do understand it somewhat, you know. Uh, So this Filipino girl that I had fallen in love with, um, I, how do I explain it, God? I wanted so badly to get away from from my mother, from Debbie, that I ran away. (laughs) I ran away to my girlfriend's house. And I was so sure, I was so sure that she would just let me go because I, I knew she didn't love me, you know. And um, so I was so sure she would let me go. I made the mistake of telling my dad, my adopted father, where I was going. 
you know. So when she came home and I was gone, he, she called him, whatever happened. And she sent the cops over there. I had to go back. So horrible. So, so horrible. <laughs> and I want to say it was my sophomore or my junior year. Huh, I can't remember what year it was. Sometime in high school, I did have uh, surgery a couple times on my reproductive system. So I was on medications at that time that were fluctuating uh, my hormones. And she, she would just repeatedly make me feel like I was such a burden. And it was just, it was so hard, so hard. I don't even know how to explain how hard that was. I remember, I think it was late sophomore year, early junior year, um, she had kicked me out, finally, <laughs> finally kicked me out, and so I, I went and, and I moved in with my girlfriend and her father. Um, I lived there for a while. I'm not sure how long, but I know it was quite a while. They, he did not make good money or something. I didn't manage it well. I'm not sure. It's a weird situation. Uh, he was an odd man. Odd, odd man. <laughs> he was nice, though. Super nice. Just very odd. But it just, it was a really odd situation, you know, because he didn't... <laughs> He, we slept in the same room, uh, my girlfriend and I, not me and him. My girlfriend and I, obviously, slept in the same room. And after we broke up, because we ended up breaking up, um, it's a weird situation because <laughs> I, one of my ex-girlfriends actually started coming to the school at the same time I was dating this girl. And so she came back into my life, and it was just like, oh, I didn't know what I wanted. And, yeah, I broke my girlfriend's heart because I chose my ex-girlfriend while I was still living there. And so my ex-girlfriend, she, excuse my girlfriend at the time, um, she didn't want to kick me out. She didn't want me to have to go back to my mother's like she was really good about that she did not want me to go back to my mother's so she let me stay there and but she didn't want to share the room with me anymore obviously because we were now broken up and I was with someone else (laughs) um so her dad took a room in a basement type area and I took over his room she stayed in hers but it was just a really weird situation and To this day, I still think that I broke her heart because she ended up moving down south with her mom. And that was hard for me. It's a hard pillow to swallow, you know, that I hurt her that bad. And because she ended up moving 
um, I did have to move back in with Debbie. And let me tell you something. When I had to move back and move with her and go through all of that, and to know that that that, that girl was gone, like my the girl that I had left her for, we had already done broke up. Like that that didn't even last but a minute. And to realize that I had messed up something so good, and having to move back with her, move back with Debbie broke me. It broke me. I mean, there's no other way to, to put that. I was done. <laughs> I, I did not want to live anymore. And so while Debbie was gone, um, I took her fifth of vodka and I grabbed every single prescription bottle she had in her room. I believe it was seven or eight bottles of pills, I think. I can't remember, but I know it was it was more than three. I know that. So anyway, I, I took all of her pill bottles out of her nightstand, and I took her fizz of vodka, and I put on sad love songs, because who doesn't do that when they're depressed, right? So I put on those, and um, I just downed the pills. Every single one of them took them all. And I sat on the couch, drinking that fifth and crying. I don't remember falling asleep. I woke up three days later in the mental hospital. Three days later. I spent a week and a half in a mental hospital. I tried telling the mental hospital why I did what I did, what had led up to this, and told them how much I did not want to have to go home to my mother because she was a big part of it. And they sent me home to her anyway, and let me just tell you what happened when I got home. As soon as I got home, walking through that front door, and she goes, I don't know, what did she say? Emily, you're such a burden. I can't believe they let you out. You're just a big burden. So if you've ever felt unloved by your parent, (laughs) I feel you. I feel you. ended up uh, kicking me out again. I was about 17, probably braided about 17 and a half. 17, 17 and a half. More like 17, I think. I can't remember after all these years. But she kicked me out again. Luckily, some of the friends that I did have, you know, would kind of let me, like, stay a couple nights, bounce back and forth between them, kind of like bed surf, pretty much, you know. And uh, so that was okay, I guess. It was hard. 17, no money, no experiences other than trying to make it through trauma. (laughs) Or something. Something. Oh, and you know what? Actually, let me just back that up for a minute. Because before she kicked me out when I was 17, when I was 16, I got online 
because this is a big part of my story and I can't forget this. So when I was 16, I got online and I found my real mother. Yes, yes I did. I found my real mother. By then I was certain that even my real mother had to have been better than my adopted mom. So I I was lucky got to meet her. I got to meet my grandma. I got to meet, you know, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. I had a really good relationship for a little while, you know. Not really long, but a while. I think that relationship and, and let me just say when I found my real mom she was married to the brother of a man that had molested me and my sister and my real mom had that choice when we were taken from her when we were put into foster care she had a choice of, of staying with that man and losing us or totally walking away from that relationship and that family and getting us back at some point. And she chose to marry this man, okay? This man did not abuse us, but his brother did, okay? And so when I found that out, when I found her, I was deeply disturbed. But I was so, so messed up mentally, emotionally, I just didn't care. I just wanted a mom. I wanted somebody who loved me. And I could see the changes in her life. I knew that she wasn't that person. You know, she had made something of herself. She, you know, you could tell. She just, yeah, good heart, you know. And I was okay with the fact that she was married to him because I didn't think that she was going to ever try to bring his brother into my life well I used to go to work with her um just to hang out just to watch what she did just to to learn and to talk to her in between customers and stuff like that you know and one day she took me to the back I remember this like it was yesterday. My whole body can chills. She took me to the back. And there was a man standing there. This weird, weird smile on his face. And before she even introduced me, it was like my body knew who he was. Because my whole body tensed up. I got you know, nervous, like anxiety-filled nervous. And I didn't get like that when I was that age. Um, So I knew something was wrong. You know, my hands were clammy. I was anxious. And my mom, my real mom, she had the audacity to walk me up to him and say, Hey, Em, this is This is so-and-so's brother. Do you remember him? When I tell you that I I threw up in my mouth and had to swallow it, 
not kidding. When I realized that she still didn't understand and did not care what that man did to me, I couldn't have a relationship anymore. I tried for years, actually. I just cut her off recently in the last few years. I tried. I tried over and over and over and over and over and over over until I was like 35. But that, that, that was traumatizing to know that my body could still recognize him without him saying a word to me, without seeing that man since I was five, four, five years old, and to know that my body recognized him instantly, and for her to not shield me from that and said, you know, just willingly just walked me up to him like it was completely normal to introduce me to my molester after all those years it was crazy and it's still crazy to me like how can you do that you know but um anyway so then Debbie kicked me out when I was 17 okay um so like I said I kind of bounced around from friend to friend blah 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 and I finally was able, one of my friends knew a guy that would, that she thought would let me stay there for a little while. Um, we were just friends. There was nothing, no funky business going on. Anyway, um, so I met her friend. Uh, she seemed really cool. You know, uh, he, he smoked weed. I smoked weed. He drank. I drank. You know, kind of fun going kind of guy. He knew I didn't want anything, you know, no relationship, nothing like that, nothing funny. And so, you know, he agreed that it was okay, you know, I stayed with him for a little while. Well, I ended up, while I was there, I ended up falling in love with his brother. <laughs> um, and I don't remember, I don't remember why what happened but I know his mom just straight up didn't like me their mother did not like me and uh, so she got her her son to kick me out and so I found myself in a homeless shelter for the first time and so I would stay there at night eat breakfast there in the morning and then I would walk all the way back to his apartment because I was still allowed there. We were getting along. I just couldn't live there anymore. So I would eat breakfast at the homeless shelter and then I would go back to the apartment and I would stay there literally all day (laughs) until uh, the dinner hour at the shelter and then I would go back for the night. Well, you know, after like, I think there was a time frame. I can't remember now. But I think there was a time frame on how long you could stay there. And because I did not have the mental, how do I want to put it? I didn't have the knowledge 
to get myself out of the situation that I was in and I was so messed up and I was just emotionally a wreck. My mind was nuts. My time came up while I was there and I knew I had nowhere else to go at that point. I had exhausted my friends. I had now exhausted the, the homeless shelter. And so because I was dating his brother, his brother asked his father if I could move in with them because he still lived with his dad at that point. So his dad was kind didn't like the idea, but he also has a really good heart. And so he let me move in there. Um, I ended up getting pregnant. Um, man, so much happened in my life. I just, look, I, I'm still at, uh, it's about 30, yeah, 37 minutes exactly now that I've been on here talking to you, and I haven't even hit age 20 yet. If this doesn't tell you the stuff that I have been through, how much experience I have, how much wisdom I've gained, how much knowledge God has been able to pour into me and show you that I have been there, I have done that, I felt that. Like, I don't know what else I could possibly say. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I, I moved in with my my boyfriend and his dad about a year year and a half into it or so I got pregnant <sighs> I got pregnant when I was 20 had my son at 20 our first son it's Michael by the way whose birthday is today so and we had our son Right around, let's see, when was it, God? Shortly after he was born. I don't remember how long, though. I know what shortly, though, after he was born, uh, a friend of mine that had been in my life for just a short time, um, she had said to me, you know, uh, she used to, to talk about God to me and you should want to pray for me. Give me Gabriel advice. And I just like, girl, like, I don't care. I don't believe in God. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> and actually, my my boyfriend's father was the same way. He really tried to push the God thing, too. And all it did was push me farther and farther and farther away because I just did not care. I didn't see how, if there was a God, how he was a good God and how he could allow all of the stuff that I had been through, you know. And so my friend told me one day, she goes, I just, I'm sorry, Emily. She goes, I just feel, you know, that God is telling me that I can't be your friend anymore because you, you don't believe in him and I just can't be your friend. And, and it really threw me aback because I'm like, wow, so I'm not even good enough for God now. Like, that's really where my mind went because I was just like, okay, the only friend I have that even mentions God once in a while is now telling me I'm not good enough to be her friend because I don't believe like she does. And it really threw me back. And let me get a drink. I remember that night that she said that to me 
was so heartbroken because she was one friend that I did truly cherish. And I loved hanging out with her. Even though we had different belief systems and thought processes, all of that, we had been through some, through some of the same things. And so I really found comfort in hanging out with her. And so when she said that to me that night, I broke down because I was just like, you know, and I prayed for the first time. And I was just like, God, if you're real, you're going to have to show me. And that was all I said, pretty much. God, if you're real, you're going to have to show me because I'm tired of hurting. And I'm tired of you taking people away from my life. And I still remember the overwhelming peace that that just flooded my heart. And I remember the whole next day, I just basked in all this peace. And for the first time in my life, I felt love, a real love. I think after a day or two, I, I had messaged her and I called her a message something got a hold of her anyway and I told her how I gave my heart to the Lord and that I wanted to go to church and so her and her husband they they picked me and my son up my son was I think one one and a half somewhere in there Uh, I think around one. And so me and my little man, we went to church for the first time. And I remember so distinctly the first day I went there, the first thing, you know, that the pastor was teaching on was so offensive to me. I asked her if I could go wait in the car. I didn't even finish the sermon. And I knew that even though I didn't agree with what was said and I I found great offense in it, I knew that I didn't want to give up on God because I really felt that he was real in my heart. So I kept going back. And that's that's what, you know, finding Christ is all about is you don't give up. You keep running that race. You just keep your endurance going and keep going back and keep going back and keep going back even when it doesn't make sense even when it hurts even when it contradicts what you thought you knew you know that's that's what finding Christ is about and you know after I had been there for about six months or so I started noticing, you know, after people were getting comfortable with who I was, they, I really started to notice side eyes. I got so many side eyes while I was in the church. And this is, you know, those six months, let me tell you something. There's something about uh, new Christians. New Christians, we, we will move well, you will get some free work out of us because we want we want to work for God. We want to work in the kingdom. We want to help God. We want to do this. We want to do that. And so I was uh, busy. 
I'm talking church three times a week. I was working the nursery. I was greeting at the door. Okay, I was on the prayer chain. I was busy. <laughs> and uh, so about six to eight months into to church and into being in ministry and just really finding out who God was, building myself up, Friday started. And I was like, what is this? Like, what is going on? Like, these people have accepted me for months, and now all of a sudden I'm getting these side eyes, and I'm getting the hushed conversations. And what it was is people were starting to judge me because I was no longer the new girl who didn't know certain things. I was now part of the church. I was a member of the church. I was in the, you know, the crowd. And so now I was looked at as the unmarried woman who's sleeping and living with her husband. Oh, it says there's a maximum recording time. I did not know that. I guess we're going to have to wind down. (laughs) But okay then, so I will make a note that I stopped here. So you will just have to learn the rest of the story next time. Um, I hope you enjoyed this and uh, I hope this gives you kind of a, an idea of who I am, what I'm about. And I just want to grow with you. I want to help you. I want to impart wisdom and knowledge. I want to free your mind. I want to help you believe in God. If you could see where I am now in my life, where I am now in my walk with God compared to everything I just told you, it would fully blow your mind. But I love you. I love you in the Lord. If you have any questions for me, please feel free. You know, comment. You can even email me if you would like to at freedomfellowship2021 at outlook.com I love you in the Lord so much dear God I just pray that you will watch over and bless and protect and heal and just juvenize every person that heals this God Mm. renew minds Father God heal emotions Lead people back here, Father God, so that they can get their healing, God, so they can understand you, God, so they can find the freedom that they're looking for, God, because there's only freedom in you, God. You are freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and what sets you free? The truth. The Bible says, and the truth that you know will set you free. how do you find truth well you have to listen to it right you have to you have to go after truth I listen to these kind of broadcasts where you're hearing the word of God you got to go and go get yourself a Bible if you don't have a Bible I encourage you grab yourself a Bible before the next episode okay grab yourself a Bible buy yourself a new notebook and some brand new pens Look, we are going to heal together. 
we are going to heal according to the word of God and we are just going to be little firecrackers for the kingdom of God I love you guys so much with all my heart and I just cannot wait to be on this journey with you I can't wait to get to know you and until next time I love you I love you and the Lord so much